Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, great to be with you. My name is Alex Grom, and I'm the campus pastor over at our Torrance location, but it's so nice to be here at Manhattan Beach today. If I'm seeing you in person, thank you for being at church. That's so great that we're all here. Of course, I do love connecting live now with our Torrance family over there. Thank you also for being at church over at Torrance. And then listen, if you're watching this online, maybe it's Sunday morning right along with us live, or you're catching up during the week, uh, thanks for connecting. I'm so, so glad that you made church part of your week as well. Hey, we are starting today a new series of messages, four weeks in a new series of messages called Conversations Along the Continuum. And in this series, we're going to be exploring how we can share our faith, share about God to people of all different kinds here in the South Bay. Uh, In fact, we're going to be using as our focal point diagram something that if you've been at Journey for a while, you've seen us use in the past, and that is this diagram that's called the Continuum. And uh, it might seem very simple, but it actually represents every single person uh, that we could intersect with in our normal lives, they land somewhere on this diagram. And so this is not a good or a bad diagram. This is not like, "Uh uh-oh, are you a negative four? That's terrible. It's not like that. Uh, This is not attractiveness ratings. This is not goodness in their heart ratings. In fact, let me start off by saying that we are going to be putting or thinking about where people in our lives or where we ourselves fall on this diagram. You need to know that wherever that is, God loves everyone on this diagram. God, regardless of where we are when it comes to our spiritual experience, loves us so much that he would give, lay down his own life to rescue us, to bring forgiveness and connection with him uh, forever. And so as we talk about where we might be in our spiritual experience, it is absolutely okay. In fact, I would really encourage you not to over uh, guess at where you are personally or where people are in their lives. Let me explain uh, the continuum for you if you haven't seen this. Basically, a negative five is someone who has zero interest, absolutely not even interest, but like adamantly against spiritual things, doesn't want to talk about it, doesn't want to be, uh, they might be ardently uh, fighting against spiritual things in our culture. Now, I have to tell you, make it very clear at the beginning, negative fives are unbelievably rare. Statistically, there are very, very, very few people who are true negative fives. In fact, we have kind of a misunderstanding, uh, especially in Christianity nowadays, where sometimes we fall into kind of black and white thinking of, hey, everyone who is not a Christian, oh, they must be negative fives. That is just not the case. Instead, most people, especially here in the South Bay, fall somewhere in these other ranges of what their spiritual interest and experience might be like. Uh, So as we get into this zone here, it may be people who have questions about their own spiritual development. And as you get closer to negative two, negative one, those questions might be uh, faith or Jesus-centered. How does the Christian church, how does the Christian faith affect or connect with my growing spirituality? Now, as you ask questions, as you continue on this course, zero on this chart would represent the point of decision where you make a decision to follow Jesus. You receive his forgiveness and guidance in your life. The rest of the chart on this positive side is forevermore after that, as you're a Christian, of development and discipleship and spiritual growth as you try to become more and more Christ-like, more and more a, a follower of Jesus that resembles him in his character and action. So at a positive one, you might start reading the Bible or sign up for a, a group that you can be a part of to talk through your faith with other people. By two or three, maybe you start giving generously or sacrificing your time to serve um, or doing other things to participate with other 
other Christians to grow. By the time you're three or four, you are deeply into the Bible, have a regular personal rhythm of prayer and Bible study. In fact, and we've said this before, we have found that it is absolutely true that the best possible thing a positive three or four can do to continue being more like Jesus is actually to mentally focus on people who are much lower on the range, who can use your help and your assistance as they are part of your journey. That actually keeps you from becoming stale in your own faith. Positive five, that's Jesus himself. Don't even try it. I mean, we, should, we all want to move towards Jesus, but that is reserved exclusively for him. Now, the, the crux of this message series is the truth that most people that we interact with in the South Bay, who are our neighbors or coworkers or friends uh, around us, are most likely in this range, negative four to negative one. And the question we're going to be tackling is, Where are you on this chart? But then also, when it comes to spiritual things, how do we talk about what we believe specifically in a way that would benefit these people, that would make sense to people who are exploring faith either very early on or with specific questions about Christianity? We're going to talk about things that we believe and why we believe it, but then again, the main focus will be how do we then communicate that in a loving way to others. In fact, our our theme verse for this entire series could be this one that comes from the disciple Peter, friend of Jesus. He said to people who are growing in their faith, he said, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. I like that he starts with that. If you're a believer, start with your focus on God. Then he says, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it but do this in a gentle and respectful way. What Peter is saying is the mission of God is to share his love, and we have to be ready to explain that. One of the problems that we have as Christians is that many of us go along our Christian life, and if someone randomly were to ask us, hey, why do you believe in God? Or why are you a Christian? Some of you have been through this where you're like, "Uh, I mean, uh, well, Sunday mornings are, uh, mm, I mean, I don't know, well, my family, when I was a kid, we were Lutheran, and now, does that answer your question? (laughs) And they're like, no, it does not. Where I I think that Peter's words here for all of us should be key of, we're going to spend the next week, next four weeks talking about what preparedness looks like. Doing some homework assignments, that doesn't sound fun, but it is, uh, of making sure that, hey, Lord, we want to be faithful to you, both in focusing on you and worshiping you as Lord, but also being ready to be about your work in this world to share how much you love other people around us. Um, the, The importance of talking about that to a specific group is vital. Our language matters. It matters because negative four, negative one, even in that spectrum, there are differences in how we need to communicate that with people. Let me tell you about how I'm experiencing language differences in my own life. Uh, about three years ago, I had a new, I started a new hobby because I had an idea for a video game. And instead of just thinking about it, I want to be a doer in my life, so I decided I wanted to learn how to make that video game that's in my mind as this weird brainstorm. I, I'm in my 40s right now, which means that my, my main moments of growing up in middle school and high school were the late 80s, early 90s. You guys, any other 90s kids here, a couple of you out there? Okay. When I was in middle school, 
The best possible video game in my life was this one, which was Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, the arcade game. They had this at every roller rink in the world uh, where I was forced to go in middle school quite a bit. If you don't recognize this, that's okay. Just trust me, it was so awesome. And you should be thinking I'm a cool person right now for liking this. I wanted to make a video game that's an homage to this, but I wanted mine to be called Youth Group, the video game, where it's basically what 90s, church student ministries were like. And anybody went to youth group in the 90s, you know it was a very weird time in the universe of Christendom, the 90s youth group people. You don't even, I see some young people sitting over here, they have no idea. Let me show you a mood board that I made for myself to figure out what elements I wanted. Here's some music that we had in the 90s. Here's what every youth pastor looked like in the 90s. Every single one of them had that weird thing on their chin. Uh, You can see WWJD bracelets were really big. Remember those? Um, Um, Some of you might not even recognize this thing. This is an overhead projector. This is the greatest tool for worshiping the Lord that anyone had ever invented up to the time. We would project weird 90s worship music up there. I know it's hard to see, but these are the piece of junk couches that people would donate to youth ministry rooms. Some of you who grew up in the 90s in youth group, you're like, I can still feel that nasty couch underneath me as I was trying to learn from my teen study Bible that had a radical. So this was in my heart. How do I mix an homage to 80s, 90s video games in the arcade with this weird and wonderful time in youth ministry. The problem was, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know how to program anything. I don't know how to, I'm not an artist that can draw this kind of pixelated style of things. I didn't know how to write video game music for this 8-bit style I wanted. I didn't know anything about level design or certainly did not understand how to put all of those things together into something that someone could control and enjoy. But just because I don't know it, what do you do if you don't know how to do something? Where do you go? YouTube. Of course you do. (laughs) That's exactly right. The internet knows how to do things. And so in the year 2000, remember how confused we all were about life in 2020? That's what I mean, not the year 2000, year 2020. That makes even more sense. 2020, most of my time I spent watching YouTube videos of people trying to teach me how to program. It drove my wife crazy, probably, because I would sit in our living room and just watch weird nerds on the internet tell me how to program things. In fact, one of the first ones I found that was really interested in was called this, Retro Game Mechanics Explained. This person, if you ever want to look him up on eBay, an absolute genius, very technical in his understanding, but actually probably much too technical for me. He has videos about why the Pac-Man ghosts move the way they do in their patterns. He has videos about why the, where the registers, where the memory registers are in the original Nintendo system that host the places in the programming where Mario's gravity jump system exists in Super Mario Brothers. And I remember watching these videos so confused, but so intrigued. I had an interest, but it was over my head. Now, good news, I found another guy. Here's another one that I highly recommend. Code Monkey is his name. And the difference between that first person and Code Monkey is Code Monkey in his videos says things like, then write this word. See how the little guy jumped up and down? You did it. And it was exactly the level of programming introduction that I needed. Because I was like, I did it, I'm a genius. I made my little dot go up and down. Now from that, I began to learn more from CodeMonkey, understand more about how programming systems work, how games are put together. I found other people on that same level. I rose in my understanding to the point where I could actually enjoy and understand some of those first two complicated ones. Do you see the analogy I'm trying to make? I needed someone to speak my language. Now. 
It's still not ready, but praise the Lord, three years on, I want to show you a screenshot or two of Youth Group, the video game, just so you can enjoy it with me. Look, this is exactly what I looked like in middle school with my blue sweatpants and green shirt. Uh, I see extreme youth group. There's a pizza and a junky couch. You can see the, the Bibles in the corner there on some nasty shelf that we had. This is exactly what life was like in the 90s. Here's another one. There's, there's the youth pastor that I'm about uh, to take on. You can see the projector with the, there, the, the song is called Jesus Rules, which was about the quality of worship music back in the 90s. Three more years and someone else can play this thing. It's going to be so great. Uh, somebody could do it. Anyway, that's been my hobby. But I think you're catching the only way to have success for me in an interest area was for someone to speak my language. Why? Why are we allowing YouTubers to be better at explaining how to program nonsense than we are at personally prepping to share the love of the eternal and gracious God? It's a simple point we're going to make over and over with this series, but we have to do the prep work so that we can share, so that we can open up the floodgates of God's love being poured out to all people so that they can recognize that through our lives the way we open up to them. It matters what language we use. So let me show you some goals that we have for this series. First one is this. We'd like to find motivation to even have spiritual conversation with people in our lives. Some of you are not bad at it. You just don't have any motivation. You've never occurred to you, maybe, even, that you should be having spiritual conversations about what you believe with others in your life. Second thing would be this, that we would recognize and even honor where our friends and coworkers, neighbors might be on the continuum. Sometimes we might not know. You might say, oh, I've been trying to reach out to this person, and they're like, yeah, I've been a Christian for 20 years. <laughs> you can go. I mean, they don't, they're already at a place where we don't need to tell them about our faith. They should be the ones sharing in the work together to share with others. Third one is this, that we'd each have two or three spiritual conversations this summer with someone who isn't a follower of Jesus. The goal is action, not just to believe, but to live out the mission of Jesus in our lives. We're going to talk about how to do that. Uh, the main message then for this entire series, the, the, the phrase could be put like this, we can learn to have great spiritual conversations that will help people we love move towards Jesus. This is what God wants for each and every one of us. This is not a pastor's job. This is not just a missionary's job. This is all of our job to be sharing God's love. In fact, I do want to point out, we've been talking already about this idea of spiritual conversations. Uh, what I mean by this isn't something deep, something heavy, something boring, uh, something really weighty. I'm talking about moving beyond the weather, your weekend plans, into, hey, what is your spiritual background? Do you have a faith? Do you, what, what does that look like? Here's, what, here's mine. Here's what I do. Why do you go to church? What, what, you know, if, if I was ever to invite you to something at my church, what would be, what would be the thing you might come to? <laughs> what would be actually fun for you? Or where, how, are, how is your family doing? Hey, you know what? Here's how God connects to my life. It, it is a conversation that has to do with any spiritual topic because our world isn't used to that. Our world is uncomfortable with that. You could bring the one, be the one who brings that uh, in, an, in a way of ease to people who need it the most. Now, Good news, though, if you're a play person who's like, I don't even know where to start. I don't know how, what I would even talk about. What would we talk about? We're going to use another tool during this series, and it's this, Journey Faith Statement of Faith. Uh, we have, uh, as part of our core documents, a, a part, and it's on the website. I'd love for you to read it, um, that has eight different sections that outlines our theological beliefs as a church. It's things like what we believe about God, what we believe about the Bible, 
what we believe about church, what we believe about Christians and how we live. And those eight things are theologically our cornerstone about how we operate as a church. Each of these are, would be a great place for you to just think about what you do believe in those areas. So the four weeks of this series are going to be talking about this question, how can we have a good spiritual conversation about one of the core beliefs? Now specifically, we're going to start today with what is number one on our statement of faith, and that is about God, what we believe about God. So here's the main point then for today. We can have great spiritual conversations about God. Um, he is something that we have put some language around of how we would do this. And I actually want to read to you what our statement of faith says about this. Um, so here it is. Here's what section one on God says that we believe as a church. Let me read it to you. We believe in one God who eternally exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. They are equal in every divine perfection and execute distinct but harmonious work in creation sustaining and caring for the world, and redemption. And then we have some Bible verses where you can look those up and see those aspects of God in Scripture. Now, just even as a quiz right here, I just read that to you. Remember, we're thinking about the continuum and the language we use. I'm going to read it to you one more time, and I want you to think, who would this language best speak to? At what part on the continuum would this language that we've used in our statement of faith be the most appropriate? Is this for a negative four? Is this for a positive four? Is there something in between? I'm going to read it one more time to give you time to come up with what answer you would give to where this is the most appropriate. Let me read it one more time. Here's the section on God. We believe in one God who eternally exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They are equal in every divine perfection and execute distinct but harmonious work in creation, sustaining and caring for the world, and redemption. And then some Bible references. Now, I can't see people at Torrance, and I don't want anybody yelling anything out, but can you put up some numbers? Or maybe if you do a negative, it would be a negative four. What, what number range do you think this is most appropriate for that would understand this kind of language? Can anyone give me some hand signals? Yeah. You got, I, I think some of you are right on where this is probably best suited for positive twos or threes, where people who have some biblical background, some understanding of what are we talking about, divine perfection and whether sustaining of the world. I mean, th so these kind of concepts are not something that people really would understand if they're negative fours who are just exploring spiritual things. This is, now that's not a mistake. This is intentionally, as a document, prepared in our system of the way we run church not for people who are first checking this out, that this will be the first thing they see on the website. Instead, this is mostly for people who are saying, is Journey of Faith a theologically sound place? Maybe you came, moved to the South Bay from another church, and you're wondering, does, does Journey of Faith believe in the same way that I do? Will this be a good church match? Most of the people intersecting with this document um, are people in the positive two to three range. But that's not who your neighbors are, mostly. Most of our neighbors are negative fours to negative ones. The question of the series is how do we take this thing that we say we believe as a church and actually communicate the content in the language that will better affect, better be useful and helpful to people who are not in the range where this is written for them. I want to share in the time we have together two overarching ways that you can talk about God that will help us have these kind of spiritual conversations. Let me show you the first one. Number one is this. Live out your belief and share that story. The, the goal is not to share the belief itself. The goal is not to say, well, our statement of faith, that journey of faith says this. Number one, 
God, the Trinity. Instead, it would be, here is how God is affecting my life based on what I believe, sharing the story. In fact, this is, I want to show you a verse that is life motivational for me. I hope it becomes that way for you as well. Here it is. This is from the Apostle Paul, one of the first Christian missionaries. He's talking to Christians who want to do well in their lives. Here's what he says. He says, you have to live wisely among those who are not believers. He immediately starts with, it's not even about what you say yet. You need to live the actions that you show, the way you parent, the way you do your work. You need to live wisely because the message has already begun before you have said anything about who God is in your life. But then he does connect that. He says, make the most of every opportunity. Then he does connect that to saying things. Let your conversations, the things you would be saying to people around you, especially in terms of your beliefs, let those conversations be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. Some of you may be familiar with older translations or uh, more formal translations that maintain the word picture that exists here in the original Greek. In the original Greek, the author says, may your conversations be seasoned with salt. So th- the idea would be that the, the way we talk about God, the way we have conversations about spiritual things in our community, people would be done with a conversation and be like, yummy. It's the wrong word, but you know what I'm saying? Like they would say, I enjoyed that. That person's belief system was actually good for me to hear about. Listen, does what I just said, however ridiculous, does, does that match with our current cultural climate of how Christians are communicating to the world? No, it does not. We, as a Christian culture, have lost track of how, not the what, we are certainly willing to yell at people who are not believing the same things that we are, but that's not what the Bible says to do. What Paul is saying is he's saying, when you talk about spiritual things, be what? Gracious. Let it be an attractive way to talk about it. What? Uh, be seasoned with salt. Be seasoning in the world that you live in. What an incredible thing it would be for us to take this seriously. How do I say something so that my neighbor says to me, I'd love to hear more about that, instead of chunk, shutting the door in my face? This is the goal of Christianity, that God's love is so good, how could we not share that with a graciousness that people would want to hear? Let me give you an example. Uh, my brother is a runner. You have runners in your life. Sometimes it's good to have runners in your life. Sometimes it's intimidating. Here's a picture of my brother. This is him. He finished, a, I think it was a half marathon in Arizona. Uh, he's been running for 10 years. And if you asked my brother, hey, what's the deal with running? Why do you run? What's running like for you? He could give you his beliefs about running. He could say, well, I have personal goals. Here's my pace. Uh, here's the shoes that I own that help me that I found. Here's how I overcome injuries. Uh, here's my stride length, and here's how I do my planning for that so that I'm successful in my fitness goals. They'd be like, oh, that's boring. Never mind. That's not how he talks, though. Instead, when you ask my brother, hey, what's the deal with your running? Heard you're a runner. He has practiced telling his story. He says, most likely, instead, he'll say, hey, you know what? About 10 years ago, I was just at a place where I needed more personal health in my life. I knew I needed to make it a habit, so it had to be something I actually wanted or liked to do. I needed to get outside. I'm an inside person. And so all of those things led me to this journey of beginning to run, and I've learned so much. It turns out you need pretty good shoes, (laughs) so think about that in your budget. But here's the training I've done, and it has been life-changing for me. It's now a habit that I rely on to keep me headed forward in my goals. 
Do you understand the difference between sharing the belief versus sharing the story of how those beliefs have transformed you? The second one is what we're after. In fact, let's practice that a little bit together with a section that we just read from our, uh, our statement of faith. Remember, we say that we believe that God, through the Trinity, does this, at least. He does work in creation, he sustains and cares for the world, and he's involved with redemption. Someone asked you, why do you believe in God? And you said, well, I believe in the harmonious work and the creation sustaining and caring for the world and redemption. They would say, okay, never mind. <laughs> Thank you, goodbye. Can you think of an example of how God caring for you, this is, not a, this is not a cosmic belief. This is personal. How has God shown his care for you? That's what you should share with others. For me, I cannot get over the miracle and the beauty of the Lord in the gift he has given me of my spouse, my wife. I cannot believe how much God loves me that he would allow us to be together. Doesn't mean we're always perfect in our marriage, but I have seen him show his care through me, through her forgiveness, through her kindness, through her excitement, through the joy that we get to share together. And when someone asks me, why do you believe in God? I can say, hey, listen, a lot of it has to do with my marriage. It's rocky it's challenging, but I, I have learned about God's forgiveness through relating to another human being. It's incredible. Is, is your marriage like that? I'm not saying everyone has to be. What, what else? Maybe it's the way you raise your kids. Maybe it's the way that you're dedicated to your job could be the way that you say that actually reflects God's care. I wrote out a hypothetical one just so you could see this in action, imagining that someone would ask about this and they, they brought up their parenting. Again, this is not actually about me. I just made this up. You could say something like this. Well, I've learned that God cares about me and he wants to guide me in loving ways. I've even tried to bring some of that same feeling into the way I handle my kids. You know that I've told you that my son Joey is a really tough kid. I don't have a kid named Joey, it's made up. <laughs> Knowing that God loves me helps me be more patient and caring for Joey. I've seen God's care affect my life. Now some of you, I, I hope you're realizing how normal that would be to say to someone. This is not religious, dripping with religion, it's dripping with story. It's dripping with your personal experience of God. We need to share that. Some of you, though, are like, I couldn't write a paragraph like that. Alex does it. He's a pastor. That's why. He's paid to do that stuff. I, I want to, if that's how you're feeling, I want to strongly disagree with you, sort of. Because the main difference isn't that I'm a pastor. The main difference is that I've done my homework. That I have written paragraph after draft paragraph after practice conversation after practice conversation in my life for the past 25 years that I've been a believer. That I have put myself in awkward situations on purpose to be like, hey, uh, you know, my, my wife is real nice. That's why I, I uh, believe in God. And they're like, really? And I'm like, okay, no, that, that wasn't right. Like, can, I, can I try that again some other day? Sure, Alex, that would be fine. I mean, where I have said the wrong thing. I have said the right thing twice repeating myself because I'm nervous. I have said things that made no sense that I have to loop back around with. I want you to practice. I want to challenge you this week to begin the prep that needs to happen so you can have an answer or two on deck. Here's an action step I want to challenge. Right this week, write out a few sentences that describe how God's care for you affects your life. You can do this in a journal. You can do this even on just like a notes app on your phone. Write it down. The act of writing it down will be monumental in your life. And you might read it and be like, this sounds horrible. No problem. Write it underneath. Do it again. Write a different draft. 
Read it to a friend that you trust. Share it with a non-Christian friend. And it was, we've, I've done this. Hey, I'm doing this thing where my pastor said I should come up with ways to talk about my faith because I never do. Can I just read you this paragraph? And you read a non-Christian your paragraph, successfully accomplishing the goal, and they can give you feedback like, don't say that. <laughs> that was weird. It's so helpful that, that there are ways to do this. The first thing is share your story. How, God, how has God affected your life? Second thing is this. We need to be real. We need to be humble about our own beliefs and experiences. I can tell you in the many, many conversations where I've put myself out there sharing and trying to have spiritual conversations, none of them have benefited from my own ego or pride or trying to make stuff up or pretend I have all the answers. Instead, just the opposite of that. Telling people, I'm in process, you're in process, we're the same. Regardless of us being on different places in our spiritual experience, we are on the same journey, aren't we? Is incredibly connectable, incredibly effective. Um, let, me, let me use the example of my brother one more time, or runners. If you're a runner in the room, that's, that's nice. I'm glad for you. Um, but the, there's an old joke. This is for non-runners. There's an old joke that's like, how do you know if someone in your life has run a marathon? And the answer is, oh, they'll tell you. They will let you know <laughs> that they've run a marathon. There's this great white whale of a person who has run the marathon and someone of such good character that they don't have to tell you about it. We get it. You're more fit than us. That's fine. Um, That may not fit you. Maybe you're like my brother who is a person of somehow unique character where he doesn't usually talk about his successes at running. In fact, for the past 10 years, my brother and one of my close friends have run a podcast, the Two Gomers podcast. It's about their 10-year journey of learning to become runners. And the, the word gomer, if you're not familiar, means like a, a klutz or someone who's prone to messing something up. Th- their whole message of this podcast is, we're just two regular guys on a journey towards health. And it is unbelievably connecting. It's so disarming to hear people talk about their foibles, their mess-ups, their challenges, and not just their successes. This, we need, now, if the Gomers can do it about running, we must adopt that same mentality for sharing our faith. It cannot be, oh, I'm a plus four. <laughs> you neighbors, you fools. Instead, we have to say, you know, I'm, I think I believe something. Sometimes I don't even know how, how to explain that. I'm trying, to have, you can even, I'm trying to have a spiritual conversation with you right now. I'm messing it up. I'm so embarrassed. You run away. That's so connectable, everybody, because they think you're trying to have a debate. You're not. You're trying to season their life with salt. Here's, let's use the example again of the God uh, statement. Listen, we believe in one God who eternally exists as three persons. What? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. What is it talking about? Well, they're equal in every divine perfection, but they execute distinct and harmonious work. This is a theological concept we call the Trinity. It's right there. The idea that God has revealed to himself. One God, there is only one God, has revealed to himself in these three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I think a lot of you who are followers of Jesus believe that. But if I were to put you on the spot to ask you some tough questions about the specifics of that belief, how confident would you be in your complete and total understanding of the ancient and confusing theological belief in the Trinity? For instance, who created the world? What member of the Trinity was responsible for creation? Some of us might be like, oh, that's an easy one. I can get the quiz question right. It was God the Father, obviously. Well, but the Bible says, yes, God created the heavens and the earth. It's right in the beginning of the Bible. But then in the New Testament, it says all things were created through Jesus, the Son. 
Nothing was created except by him, both things invisible and visible. So Jesus, before he was born, was inventing, was creating the world? Where? Was, was he the baby, Jesus, <laughs> doing the creative? I don't know. It's confusing. What about the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit's an easy one, right? He's the invisible one, except for God the Father, who to us we also haven't seen, or the, the Son, who was on earth, but 2,000 years ago, we don't have any pictures of it. So, so I guess they're all invisible. And when we pray, who do we pray to? Well, what, did, what, what were we instructed? How should we pray then? We should pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Some of you grew up with that prayer. Who taught you to pray that way? In the Bible, it's Jesus, the Son, saying, okay, Jesus, the Son, is saying that he, he prayed to the Father? And then who is this Holy Spirit? Oh, he's the Holy Spirit. The Bible tells us in the Old New Testament, he's the Holy Spirit of Jesus. So does that mean that Jesus doesn't have his own spirit? He's like, but he's the guy in the body. He's up in heaven now and his spirit, he's spiritless. I'm trying to make a point here that if you're like, oh, I totally get the Trinity. No, you don't, first of all. But that doesn't keep us from believing that we can intersect with this unbelievable, mysterious God who has revealed himself in three persons. Don't wait to have mastery over the topic. I'm not ready. I just don't know what I believe. You totally know what you believe because you've experienced God's forgiveness if you're a Christian. You've experienced his guidance in the way that you feel conviction in your life and the way you feel motivated towards righteousness and good works. You know God. Share him. In fact, I do want you to remember how humbled you should be about the stuff you think you believe, even those things that you think you've mastered. If you think you've mastered it, you haven't done enough work. You need to go back to the drawing board and learn it again. Learn more. Be humble. In fact, let me show you this. Here's the the action step for this. I want to give you the assignment of reading through sections one through four of our statement of faith. Again, those are online. Not to prove to yourself that you already know what they say or you've already mastered belief. Instead, I want you to write out a few questions you can explore. If you do that, one of them, so for instance, one through four is the Trinity, that's what we just read, and then there's a specific section each on God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. It will be fascinating to read those things and say, that's what I believe? (laughs) I I didn't know that. I don't know how to explain that to someone. Write out a question, because you know what will happen then. If someone in your life says, hey, what do you believe in God? You can say, actually, you know, I was just recently confused by what about I believe in God. And I started looking things up and trying to understand better what my church uh, says is the historical roots of Christianity. Here's what I've been finding, and here's what I'm still questioning. All of a sudden, that person who might be a negative three would say, oh, Christians are connectable. Christians want to help me. It's an incredible thing that we have to offer humility. I want to challenge us to live in the storytelling of who we really are, not we who pretend to be. In fact, let's review before I tell you one more last story. Here's what we learned today. We can have great spiritual conversations about God. It's not easy, but the way to do that is to live out your belief and share that story. And then be real and humble about your own beliefs and experiences. These things are bridges to great conversations. Let me me just close with this. When I was growing up, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents are missionaries. It's a great environment to grow up in. Uh, Let's go back to the continuum. On the continuum for my youth... I pretended to be right in here, really successfully pretended. (laughs) I was very good at it. Great kid. But it was late middle school, early high school, where I grew to a place of maturity where I could be like, I am making this thing up. 
I have been coasting on the faith of my parents, pretending to be a good person. I was rotten inside. I needed to, my spiritual interest did not match my spiritual experience, and I was absolutely at least a negative three to say, hey, I, I am so curious about even what I do or should believe. I don't even know where to start. In that season of my life, some incredible Christian friends of mine, who I didn't even understand what that meant, that they were different Christian, different places than I was on this, invited me into their journey and said, hey, we're kind of in here too. Let's all go along together. They invited me to church, invited me to this junkie youth group that I made a video game about. Um, they invited me to a place where they'd say, hey, let's go, let's have coffee with the pastor. He'll answer all, a lot of our questions. And we did that. Hey, here's some other youth leaders in our lives. Let's go out and eat at Culver's. You know what Culver's is? Where it's like, let's go to a restaurant and eat, and we can talk about who God is and, and what, what the deal is with God. It was incredible in my life. I learned, I didn't know this at the time. Two big factors help people in this range. How we talk to them is one of them. Here's the other one, though. If we will talk to them about spiritual things, will you do it? Will you be like those people in my life who said, this, kid, this kid's been faking for 12, 15 years. He needs to have real conversations. And we're willing to have, to step out of their comfort zone, to ask questions of me, hear my story, and then help me develop and grow towards Jesus until after freshman year of high school, I, I became a follower of Jesus. I love him. But it wasn't because I found him, it's because they guided me on a journey towards him. That's who we need to be for everyone in our lives, our neighbors, our coworkers. All right, thank you so much for listening to that. At both campuses, both here at Manhattan Beach, will you stand for prayer? At Torrance as well, will you stand for prayer? Let me send us out this week. Hey, kids camp starts this week. I'm so excited for your little ones. They will get excited about Jesus, so you better bet ready to have spiritual conversations with them. It's gonna be so fun. It's gonna be great. Let me pray for us as we go. Dear Jesus, thank you for inviting us into connection with you. Thank you that you are, you're not so far away that we can't ask questions or be curious or, or find out how to take more steps closer to understanding you better. But Lord God, for those of us in the room who, who already know you, who are already following you, give us boldness. Give us discipline and strength to do the work, to, to prepare to adequately answer someone who has a real question in our lives. Help us, Lord God, to be gracious to those around us, humble and good towards people who are seeking after you. Lord God, if it's your will, put opportunity in our lives, even this week, to try this, to practice having a spiritual conversation. We want to follow you in the way you direct us this week. So we pray all these things in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. Hey, have a great week. We'll see you back at church next week. Bye.